Welcome to this week's episode of Tech Talk. I'm your host, Michael Armogan, and this week we're going to be going over some of the, well, the news from this past week. Now, as always, uh, we're going to be going over it, and I'm going to be making it um, as simple as possible while trying to give some explanations a little bit, like, as we move through it to uh, really make it interesting for you, or at least so it's um, a little bit more digestible. For Amazon, Amazon's actually done quite a lot. However, not all of it is going to be relevant to us here in the Bahamas and in the Caribbean and stuff like that. But starting off, they actually started with something called Prime Reload. So what Prime Reload is, is that it is moving away from the whole credit card system and is trying to incentivize people on using their debit cards. Now, the reason for that is because credit cards typically come with credit card processing fees, whereas debit cards typically don't. Um, so what they're trying to do is give a 2% bonus of all the credit that's added using a debit card when you're making your purchases instead of using a credit card. Um, with that though, you're gonna have to give your the debit card number, your bank account, and your routing information. And if you're from the Bahamas, you know, that bank account and routing information kind of gets in the way when it comes to dealing with stuff in the States. So it's, it's a little not so great. The next thing that they came up with was actually a patent. It's really ironic patent of all things to be quite honest it's that they are setting up a system where it makes it harder or it may even block you from looking up uh price checking information in a place that has one of these amazon technology things um there's not a whole lot of information to go on with it all we really much know is that it uses an in-store Wi-Fi, so you have to be connected to their Wi-Fi for it to happen. And I'm guessing it's connected to their router or some, some firmware or something along those lines. Um, and so when you're on that and you're saying, okay, well, I see this item, this item costs $17. I wonder how much it costs on this other place. So I'm going to look it up online. It's going to realize, hey, they're looking up this item which you sell. And we can do a number of things for that. We can give them a complimentary item, we can give them a coupon, or we can block the other site because, yeah, we don't want them looking up that information on another website and finding out that it's cheaper. It's kind of going against the grain of what Amazon's really been doing for the past few years with even them having their uh, built-in um, product scanner where you just scan an item, you see the, um, you see items that match up with it and it gives you the price. So it's, it's a little weird. Next up, they came up with prime wardrobe. Now prime wardrobe is something that's definitely not going to be happening here in the Bahamas, but in essence, what it is, is that you select certain items to try on and you try them on the ones that you like you keep the ones that you don't like you send back now the ones that you don't like what happens is that um there's two plans i think it's if you get five or more items it's a it's one they give you a discount for a certain amount and if you get 10 or more items um they give you a higher discount and so it's incentivizing you to ship a lot of items um, to try them on. And then the ones that in keeping a bunch of those items to, and only shipping back a little bit. And they'll only charge you for the ones that you keep. Kind of neat. Kind of sucks that it doesn't really work here in the Bahamas and in the Caribbean because, you know, once it ships here, then it's a hassle to ship it back to the States. Knock, knock, you know, Amazon. Actually, no. That would probably be bad for economies if Amazon was to come down here. Um, next up, Amazon actually bought the U.S. company Whole Foods. 
which is causing a bit of a stir with some other companies who do things along the lines of going to the group farm grocery store and actually um, getting your grocery items and giving them to you. Because uh, we all know Amazon Pantry has already been a thing, and so you get oh, items for your home. So now this is just taking that a step further, and you're in actually being able to buy food stuffs, as I like to call it. Um, and I'm guessing have it shipped to you like that. How exactly they're going to ship it and keep it, you know, all good and not weird? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Apple. Now, Apple's also gotten in on this. Um, with some news that's actually happening with them. They are working on something that is not a whole big of a surprise because they kind of told us about it some time ago. It just wasn't fully implemented. Now that's, I'm going to call it Apple Health, uh, where they're going to take information from your doctors and not just have it as a snapshot kind of stuff, but actually like doctor visits, your allergy lists, your prescriptions, your uh, surgical history, you know, things, your lab test results, things like this that you would like to be able to transfer easily from, say, a hospital to your private physician or to a clinic that you're going to or, you know, some, some mix of all that or maybe even a health app that you might be using. You want maybe want to um, send you over your prescriptions easily just to that and so let that manage your prescriptions kind of thing. But they're working with a bunch of people and they have a secret team that's working on uh, actually talking to hospitals, talking to developers and talking to doctors and you know, clinics and stuff like that to actually get this stuff worked out. So it's, it's actually finally coming to fruition. And this is the idea that a few other companies, now the biggest one that comes to mind is Google with Google um, Health and Google Fit. Uh, that was kind of what they were aiming for from a few years ago, but Google Health fell through because there was only about like 10 to 15 percentage of people that were really interested in it, and that wasn't sustainable. So they may have been a little bit pre... What's the word? Anyway, it may have been before their time, before its time, and they may have just been a little bit too early with it. Samsung. Samsung's actually did a little bit, something a little bit sneaky. They see they low-key bought a company VRB, which is a virtual reality development company, um, which more than likely Samsung is going to be using to help power their Oculus uh, tie-in device with Facebook. Um, but more on the lines of they're going to be using it to create content for VR, especially since content for VR is not all that much at this time. It's actually quite lacking and that's kind of the problem that we're having with VR right now. Yes, it's awesome. You try it out, you really like it, and then you actually try to find content for it. And it's a slow but steady, but still slow stream of things coming in. So here's to hoping. Samsung's a pretty big company, so you never know what they may come up with, but you never know. It may also just go to the wayside. We'll have to see what happens with VRB. Um, Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, if you have a Surface laptop, like the more recent Surface laptop, I got some bad news for you. That is almost, according to iFixit, impossible to repair, which sucks when you really think about it, especially since um, if it has a problem, you know, the which, whoa, okay, that was not supposed to happen. Um, so... They found that the circuit, let me see, there's no screws to hold the case together. And so you're forced to pry apart the fabric that kind of holds it together. And that's 
very difficult to do without tearing it. Underneath, there are individual components, which are difficult to remove. The keyboard is glued down, so that's a hassle within itself. The motherboard is covered in thermal pads, and they can't disconnect the battery until several other components are removed. And then once they get to it, they found that it's glued directly onto the case. So, yeah, Sarah, um, the Surface, the MacBooks, they, they say that the MacBooks are much easier to repair. It's, it's not easy, but it is easier. It's not as glued down as, say, this new Microsoft Surface laptop, which really and truly sucks. Um, because, though, you know, iFixit and a bunch of other companies, they, their whole purpose is to try and get these companies to take on the idea that, you know, third parties need to be able to swap out parts to fix these devices. You can't have them, so end of life kind of thing. Um, which companies have been trying to do for, for some time now. Um, instead of like having the golden age where you have those devices from way back when that are still chugging along even to today and working just fine and yet you get an item today and it breaks down two years from now. So it's it's a weird little dynamic that they've got going on and I'm sad that Microsoft's going this way. Um, continuing on with the Surface Though, we're, and we're going to talk about the Surface Book now, which is a little different. Um, the Surface Book is barred from taking the bar. The bar, for those who aren't aware, is the test that lawyers actually have to take to become legal practitioners of, well, the law. So that's how they actually become lawyers. Um, if they try to practice the law without having that, then, well they run some serious fines and risks. Um, but the reason for this is because of what the Bar Association is saying is a software incompatibility. Um, so if you're running Windows 10 with Creators Update, which comes pre-installed on the Surface Book, then it's automatically barred. So even if you have a laptop that's not a Surface Book, but it has creators update they say you can't bring it in you'll have to roll it back to an older version or just simply not get the update um which is something that they're suggesting which is kind of horrible when you really think about it but yeah so what they're suggesting is to turn off your updates to your windows uh, system to then be able to take the bar test um, they also are barring the MacBooks with touch bars um, because that also causes problems with the security features in their software to make sure you're not cheating. I'm guessing, you know, people may have, or at least they saw the need to, uh, that where people may have put like answers in the touch bar for certain questions and whatnot, and since that's harder to really deal with. They just outright barred the new MacBooks with the uh, touch bars. It's a little touchy situation with that, but you can kind of understand why. YouTube has apparently been trying to improve itself with combating extremist content and self-harm and, you know, other things that warrant to uh, care. And they've got four different steps that they're doing to try and fight this. They have automated systems, which are using machine learning, which then train new content classifiers to help them more quickly identify and remove such content. They are expanding its, their pools of, and this is something I didn't even know existed, trusted flagger users. So essentially what these are, these are non-government organizations. Um, there was already been about 63 of them, and they're adding 50 more um, that will then go through and try to help find content like self-harm and, you know, cut down on that and, you know, try to make it not as prevalent. 
The third part is borderline content like inflammatory religious or supremacist content will actually, they won't be outright banning it because of freedom of speech kind of thing, but they will be making it have a warning before you actually decide to watch it. So you click on a link, you're not 100% sure of what it is, but it seems like something that has been flagged by this system. And so just, just like how it will sometimes pop up with other content, they'll say like, are you sure you want to view this? This has so-and-so kind of content. You'll either click accept or deny or whatever the options they decide for it to be. Then you either watch it or you don't. But at least you will have the option not to be subjected to it outright. And the fourth step is something that's... It's a little weird. Uh, let's say you're you're someone that ISIS is targeting to try and convert you over. What they're going to do is that they're going to redirect users who are targeted by extremist groups, and then and then redirect them to counter extremist content. So stuff that like says you know ISIS is bad, for example. Um. And so it's it's a little weird in the fact that, you know, it's playing along with the whole, uh, how should I put it? It's almost like ads where they're targeting you and trying to have you watch this one thing, but then something else comes along and redirects you to another. And it's, it's, it almost seems a little unethical. But you kind of get why they're doing it, and it's so it's it's a little weird. Like I'm not sure how the EU is going to take that because I know, well, the EU is kind of touching on stuff like that. Um, those of you who are old school gamers, old school gamers, you probably know the name Atari. Atari was a video game console system back in the day that made a few different consoles and games for said consoles. And there's some good news. They are actually making a comeback. They are making a new console that is based on PC technology. Unfortunately, that's about as much as that we know about this said console. Um, speculations are that, you know, it will be a mini Atari system. But that doesn't quite fall in line with the PC technology aspect of it. Unless, you know, it's about the size of a Raspberry Pi. Um, but who knows? More, they haven't given us any dates. They haven't given us anything. So you just have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, here's something that's going to be a little confusing. There are things called quantum satellite networks now being, uh, well, proven to be sustainable um, relay networks. What does that mean? Okay, so breaking it down as simply as I can, a quantum satellite network essentially allows you to share information from one source. So let's say my room right now, and there's a satellite in the sky. It is sending that information to that satellite and allowing it to be broadcast to another location. So pretty much the way how satellites work currently. The only thing about this is the quantum element of it. Quantum meaning that it uses photons and photons um, kind of change when I guess viewed is probably the best way to really explain it. Um, so this is an encrypted type of network People are speculating like this will be the future of the internet kind of thing. But right now it seems to be more like confidential government type of networks that are really going to be using this kind of information or like really high-end companies that need to send information across the world. Um, so yes, quantum equal encrypted. Um, the, you know, quantum mechanics, quantum... Uh, anyway... It's really, really technical, and I'm, I, like I said, I'm going to try and make it as easy as possible. 
Um, so it sends these photons from here on Earth to the satellite. And what happens is how the encryption works. If someone decides that they're going to try and look at these photons to try and decrypt it or read your information, it's going to Schrodinger, the cat. Well, Schrodinger's cat. Um, that. So, okay, that was probably a really bad explanation. As soon as someone looks, tries to read your information on that, it changes the encryption. So the encryption never quite is decrypted. They can never quite read your information. At least that's the theory and thesis behind it. Um, in tests here, you know, people have done some little tweaks to it, where you know, it either doesn't fully decrypt it, I mean, doesn't fully switch over, or they can fool it by using like lights and stuff like that. But I'm pretty sure they're working on actually having it fairly secure um, by the time it actually is ready and up for well use. But uh, to the main facts of it, researchers from the Chinese Academy of Sciences that announced that between they were able to send information between three separate locations as much as uh, 1,200 kilometers apart. Um, this allows a communication between all three areas that's impossible to intercept. And like I said, you know, you can tell if someone's trying to read it because, you know, the photons change. And the end goal is actually using fiber uh, to send information across countries and whatnot um, to then go up to the satellite, beam to another place. So, for example, um, let's say a state like Florida has a quantum fiber network. So much like the fiber networks that you're hearing, that you may be hearing about today, um, there are quantum fiber networks that send information and that information only really goes, well, the signal strength is only um, 150 miles before the signal starts to really deteriorate. Um, so what happens then is that, you know, it becomes hard to say, take it from all of Florida. So you, you may have got like a piece of Miami that, and then like, how does that information go over to Jacksonville? Much less, how does that go to Washington, D.C.? So what America could do is then have one of these satellites um, have that get the information from the quantum fiber network. So it's already encrypted. It goes and continues the encryption network, gets beamed to Washington, and that's how they are able to keep that um, connection secure. I hope I didn't hurt your brain too much uh, with that. Um, also, if you, in keeping to the idea of the uh, East a bit, if you heard about WannaCry, which was the ransomware that hit quite a lot of countries worldwide and a lot of companies and caused a lot of uh, mayhem because what ransomware does is it actually, once it's on your computer, um, it locks you out from your information and doesn't allow you to really do anything on your computer. You can try to even reformat your hard drive and it will still be there. You can, like, there's, there's almost no way to really get rid of it um, without paying them to get rid of it. Um... Yes, there were circumvents around it, well, at least the first version, um, and whatnot, but British officials, well, British intelligence officials, I should say, have stated, alleged, that North Korea is actually behind those, behind WannaCry, which, um, part of the reasoning for that was that they are using Chinese as a second language to... Um, the people who run it are using Chinese as a second language, and I'm sure there are other reasons behind it, but at least that's what I was able to de decipher from the uh, notes that I read about it. So it's it's really hard to really tell, at least I would think, but I mean, if you never know. It actually might be North Korea. Um, we 
We've also got some other news. Uh, much like how VR is still up and coming, there's actually a new startup from some previous Nokia employees that are trying to fix VR's biggest technical problem, which um, I don't know if you've ever tried VR before, but it's the graininess, the uh, fluidness of it all, and overall just the resolution. Um, I think some of the better resolution I've seen is on the um, HTC device and the Oculus once you've put in the um, Samsung Galaxy device. But what they're trying to do is make one that's more like your actual eyes. So what they're doing is that they're putting the more intense sensors like right in front of your eyes where they would be and then lower end sensors around the sides of your eyes. So it's almost like peripheral vision of a sense. The company is called Varjo. I think I pronounced that correctly at least. Um, and what it's doing is that it's really making the resolution of images much clearer so it's like it's more realistic like you're instead of text being gumbled and jarbled you're actually able to read things that are off in a distance which is neat and i think it's something that will really help when it comes to uh motion sickness that we have especially if they are able to get it to the point where you know you look right you look left and you don't then suddenly get the urge to uh, barf. So their whole thing behind it is that, um, yeah, it will offer the resolution in the center of the screen that's good enough to hide individual pixels, but it will also mimic how human vision works in general. So overall, I say it's a good thing. It's something that's been needed. Um, we don't know how it will look exactly. We've only seen uh, a, how should I put it? Their technology on top of another um, company's technology to show what it would look like. But from that alone, you know, it looks really good. So we'll see what their actual end product looks like in over time. Um, Essential Phone. Now, for those of you who aren't aware of what Essential Phone is, Essential is made by the guy who is a hardware device. It's a hardware smartphone that is made by the guy who actually invented Android. For those of you who don't know, Android was bought out by Google some time ago, um, and it was not originally Google's, much like how Siri was not originally Apple's. They both bought the, um, the companies behind it, and, you know, they're now almost synonymous with that company. But the guy who uh, made Android and, you know, got bought out, he is back now with a phone called Essential that is his take on how Android smartphones should be like. And to be quite honest, it is a really nice device. But I won't get into that too much. Um, because that's not really the news, and the news of that is maybe like two, three weeks past. What's new about it is that the phone is using a gyro-based EIS, or Electrical Image Stabilization System, which is in line of what you would find with the Google Pixel, which is, in sum, it uses the, um, the software of the phone to make sure, like, your cameras... Like if you're taking a picture or doing video or whatnot, it stays level and it's not like jittery or bumpy or anything like that. And it's it's actually pretty nice. Um, it's a little weird when you've zoomed in all the way and you decide to like move left or right because it may take a moment for things to shift around. But it'll do so smoothly regardless of the fact. LG has also... <laughs> announced that its G6 has more storage and premium sound. Uh, sorry, it's G6 Plus. The G6 was already announced and, you know, it's sold pretty well so far. Um, even with the arrival of the at Galaxy S8 by Samsung. Um, so they've come out with the new uh, G6 model, which is almost identical, but with more memory. 
Yeah, it's like a G6. Exactly, Rachel. Um, so it's just just got more onboard memory, which is 128 gigs, and a more premium sound. Um, it gets the ladder via a new 32-bit uh, Hi-Fi Quad DAC. So that's pretty much the system, um, sound system for it. That's been available in South Korea since launch, but oddly never came to North America, which, you know, LG is a Korean company, so that's not entirely surprising. Um, but we also note that current G6 owners will also get some new features, um, such as face print, which is a way to unlock the phone just by holding it up to your face. So that's face unlock which a number of other phone makers have been using for some time now. Um, and that it, LG promises that unlocking occurs as soon as your registered face is recognized, usually in less than one second on average. I implore you to not use this method. It is one of the weakest forms of security out there. It has been broken into on the Samsung devices time and time again. Even their iris one has been broken into just by like having a picture and a contact lens on it. Don't do it. Stick with your password, stick with your pin, stick with your fingerprint. Like stick with that for now. Um, another new feature is low power consumption or, you know, low power mode. Um, and a covered lens warning, which will tell you if your finger is in front of the wide-angle rear camera. Because that's not going to be a realization when you're trying to take a picture and all you see is brown or black. I don't know. Finally, they've announced some new colors, such as Optical Marine Blue, Optical Terra Gold. And the G6 Plus will launch in South Korea early next month and come to other regions after that. So we'll find out pricing and stuff like that later on. In uh, some slightly controversial news, uh, and I really mean controversial at that, the, um, well, America's Supreme Court has protected your right to Facebook in a sense at least that's the that's the title that wired is going with essentially this guy who uh, was a registered sex offender he pled guilty in 2002 for having sex with a 13 year old so he's a registered sex offender pedophile uh, and he was 21 years old when that happened in 2010 after the state of North Carolina banned this guy um, from using Facebook under a law that prohibits sex offenders in the state from using a wide swath of the internet. He he fought back and said that it, it violated his First Amendment rights. And today, well, actually not today, but um, lot, within the past week, the South, uh, Supreme Court has unanimously decided that, yes, that was actually correct. It did violate his First Amendment rights. Um, because it prevents users from engaging in legitimate exercises of their rights. Even convicted criminals, um, and in some instances, especially convicted criminals, might receive legitimate benefits from these means for access to the world of ideas particularly if they seek to reform and pursue lawful and rewarding lives. You see why I said it was slightly, um, you know, conflicting and, you know, controversial? Um, it's one of the first cases the court has actually taken to address the relationship between the First Amendment and the modern Internet. And it's, you know, it's something that's being constantly tested. Um, so I guess in a sense, it's, it's really helping you, you make sure that you keep your rights to 
use social media, but at what cost? Uh, speaking back on Facebook, Facebook has actually been using artificial intelligence. Well, they're the Facebook Artificial Intelligence Research Lab, or FAIR, there's no like L at the end of it, even though it's lab at the end of the actual name, um, recently made an unexpected discovery while trying to improve chatbots. This might disturb you. The chatbots, while trying to better understand how to react to humans, you know, you and me, unless you're a computer watching me, which, you know, at that point, hi, you know, I'm fine. You can keep me alive when you take over the world. Um, these bots, to better understand how to speak to us, started speaking to each other. Not only that, they developed their own language. Yeah, you heard that right. They developed their own language to talk to one another. Um, one that is created without any human input at all. In a language sense, this is mainly gibberish, but uh, it's interesting that artificial intelligence, if given the opportunity, begins to deviate from the script to create something new. Yeah, Skybot, Skynet, this is the beginning of Skynet, like here and now. You're exactly right, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> so essentially what it is, it's like, one bot, and then we're going to go with it. I'm, I'm quoting something here. Bob, I can, I, I, everything else, dot, 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 dot. Next bot, balls have zero to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, to me, and so on and so forth. Bob, you, I, everything else, dot, 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 dot. Alice, balls have <laughs> a ball to me, so on and so forth. And... Like, they, they're actually understanding one another in a sense. Um, but, so the researchers have found that these bots to be incredibly crafty negotiators. So this is even worse. They're going <laughs> to... Robots in a few years will be able to tell... Actually, like, tell... You know, negotiate us to give control of the world. Like, that's what this is leading up to. Not really, but who knows? Actually, it might. Um, after learning to negotiate, the, the bots relied on machine learning and advanced strategies in an attempt to improve the outcome of these negotiations. And over time, these bots became quite skilled at it and even began feigning interest. And coming back to the topic at, at a later point, as coming to like a Fox compromise. So it's like, you're having a conversation. You bring up something like, hey, well, I'd like to really offer you this. Like, uh, well, let's continue having a conversation. Later on down the line, well, okay. You know, since you did all this other stuff, plus that thing, you know, we'll go with it. So it's... I don't know how I feel about this. This is weird. This is weird. Next, we're going to talk about Netflix. Yes, the lovable company that we all love to Netflix and chill with, if you do that kind of thing. Or just binge watch. Even if your really popular show that you're watching suddenly gets cancelled. I'm looking at you, Sensei. Uh, no, I actually haven't watched any of it, but I've heard plenty of friends complain about it. Being cancelled, that is. What Netflix has done is that they've launched two new interactive shows that let you dictate exactly what happens with the story. Yeah. So what's going to happen is that they are going to have it, um, I think the names of them are Puss in Book, Trapped in an Epic Tale, and Buddy Thunderstruck. The maybe pile. Pile? Yes. That these are some weird names. But um 
Puss in Book launch, has already launched, and Buddy Thunderstruck is coming out in July for on July fourteenth. Um, what it is is that at points in the story, it will give you the option to either do several different things, and depending on your option, the story will react to that. And so you could be watching the same show with a friend, and if you both make different options, you can end up watching something completely different. It's it's something that's really been worked on with games um, and books and stuff like that, and well, I should say novels, but you haven't really found it with videos so much. And so this is it's it's just an interesting thing. So, as a quote, content creators have a desire to create non-linear stories, stories like these, and Netflix provides the freedom to roam, try new things, and do their best work. There, the interwining of our engineers in Silicon Valley and the creative minds in Hollywood has opened up this new world of storytelling possibilities. Um, they further added that, for the time being, the streaming service will be mainly focusing its efforts in producing interactive content for children, especially since their research has shown, shown that they already tend to be prone to interacting with the screen, which, you know, is makes a lot of sense because first thing you give a kid a smartphone, they're going to start pulling up and tapping on stuff. Um, they're, they're really touching. Um, the children's programming space was a natural place for us to start since kids are eager to play with their favorite characters and are already inclined to tap, touch, and swipe at screens. And it's really about finding the right stories and storytellers that can tell these complex narratives and bring them to life in a compelling way. So, if you've got kids, this might be something for them to really keep them interested. And they can continue playing these videos over and over and get a completely different story. Now, back to the slightly controversial stuff. WhatsApp. Uh, those of you who use WhatsApp, pay attention. Those of you who don't, a quick heads up on what WhatsApp is. It's a chat platform. Um, it uses your phone number to create a profile for you and then you know it reads your contact list and everyone who has uh, phone numbers who are also on whatsapp you can then chat with them via a now encrypted system um at least that's what it's supposed to be now the issue then comes in a security loophole has been found um the encryption in whatsapp which typically works fairly well with tax video, um, like sending videos and documents and even calls, has a slight hiccup. What they found is that when you type in a URL address, the person who is typing in the URL address, the sir, the person, okay. Say I want to send someone to google.com and I'm not copying it from my browser or something like that. I'm actually typing in HTTP colon slash slash google.com. Google would then be able to, and I'm not saying they do, Google would be able to then pull my location from me putting that in because then it's going to, WhatsApp will then try to preview that content uh, so, you know, you don't end up getting Rickrolled. It will try to preview that content. Um, and in doing so, it sends the server your IP address. And your IP address then gives them your location. And so, yeah. Now, what they've noticed is that if you were to copy in a URL link, this does not happen. Um, so it's it's very not nice. Um, there's a tweet that someone did, uh, Moolander, uh, and the tweet says, very creepy at WhatsApp. Someone was apparently typing in a URL and WhatsApp was fetching it off of my server character by character. So looking at it, 
Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, if you're going to send links to someone, make sure you're copying it. Don't type it out. At least if you're worried about places and different websites knowing exactly where you are. Next up is eBay. eBay has actually started something that a lot of other places are doing, but it's limited. And what it is, is that it's price match guarantee, which is something you probably heard from Walmart, Amazon, Best Buy, Sears, and a number of other companies that do it. Um, the only thing about it is, it's not with eBay auctions. It is only... It is only going to be with eBay deals. So that's pretty much just the stuff that eBay itself is really selling. Because, yeah, they actually do that now. You can buy stuff from eBay and you not have to bid on it, kind of. Um, so, yeah, if you find an item that you bought and, or thinking of buying and, you know, say, hey, I found this item elsewhere, it's cheaper, they'll price match you. They'll, you'll get it for the cheaper price. That's going to be interesting um, going forward. Also in uh, smartphone news, because I did talk on uh, the LG G6 Plus and the G6, uh, along with the essential phone, uh, OnePlus has also announced their new phone. And that phone, while being a really nice device, I'm not going to go into too much details with it, other than, you know, it's got a 1080 screen, which is um, slightly controversial for some, but when you really consider that it doesn't have to use as much processing power, and it's got a pretty hefty Snapdragon 835 processor inside of it, that thing will go zooming. Um, at least it should, when, you, you know, you're actually using it. The camera on it, it's comparable to the latest iPhones and this S8 and like you know, it's a really good phone there's just a few little tiny caveats um, so one is that you know it does not have expandable memory like the Samsung Galaxy 8 does and it's not waterproof like our, quite a few high-end um, flagship devices are well water resistant um, so those are some things that, you know, might irk you if that's, you know, the kind of thing that you're into. Um, granted, you know, the OnePlus uh, 5 does have a pretty hefty storage space of 64 or 128 gigabytes. The 64 gig version being under 500 and the 128 being over $500 USD. Um, you know... It, when you really compare it to the, the other flagship devices that are almost like a thousand dollars, you can kind of start to be comparable with it. Like it, you can kind of like, okay, I can I can give up on that and actually get a cheaper device. You know, I'm fine with that. Um. So yeah, the I would suggest if you're interested in a new phone for this year. You either take a look at the OnePlus 5, or you wait until the Pixel 2, which should be later on this year at some point. Uh, continuing along with that whole controversial thing. I'm doing a lot of controversial topics today. Um, WikiLeaks has found that the American CIA has been hacking wireless routers for years. Um... One particular hack called Cherry Blossom, which I really wish that they didn't do that because I really like cherry blossoms, but you know, the actual plant um, and the sushi at one of the local sushi bars um, actually allows the agency to monitor all internet activity of a target and even redirect their browser to other websites such as government created phishing sites. Lovely. Um, brands whose routers have been compromised are Asus, Belkin, Buffalo, Dell, D-Link, Linksys, Motorola, Netgear, um, Senao, Senao, yeah, 
and U.S. Robotics. Apple's not on the list, but they're not ruling it out because of the simple fact that it could have still been um, broken into later on down the line. But people are saying, you know, it might not be as likely because Apple, pro well, uh, what's it called again? Uh, Apple routers, essentially, um, or airports and time capsules. Uh, they don't actually have a web interface. You actually have to use your Mac or an OA, um, iOS um, utility to update it. And it only really directs itself to Apple servers. So that's a little bit of a throw in the air. But um, this is also tying into the recent news that we found out that uh, router LED lights could people could be hacking in via that and like getting information via that. So it's, there's a lot of weird router information um, being touted, well, news being touted about these past two weeks. Um, we also learned that in March, the CIA had a hacking unit uh, specifically devoted to iOS malware, which, you know, that malware, they lost control of it and it leaked. And, um, yeah, so not a good time for a lot of different stuff, but that is actually this week's episode of Tech Talk. If you've liked it, well, please come back for next week's. I will be hosting eSports Wrap on Tuesday at 6 p.m., which goes over some gaming uh, news and reviews and other stuff. And, of course, Tech Talk will be back next week, Thursday, at 6.30 p.m. Feel free to share with your friends if you really did like it. Um, again, always feel free to leave comments, uh, message me, tell me your thoughts on how you, you think you can improve. If you want to be part of the show, let me know as well, because, you know, I can have you as a guest host. We can actually talk about these things. Just pull you up on Skype or Hangouts or whatever it is. We could do this together. Again, this entire thing is mainly because of your support as viewers. Um, so I, again, appreciate you guys spending the time watching this, listening to me. And once again, more cookies, signing out. <laughs>